0: Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lou Weiss with Manufacturing Talk Radio. Uh, unfortunately, today we're not going to have Tim Grady, who's my co-host. He's off in the field doing something. Uh, I'm not sure what, but uh, here I am. Um, and today we have um, a gentleman, uh, Nick. Nick um, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to do this. Santanone. <laughs> And Nick is uh, uh, an expert in um, the field that he's in regarding uh, manufacturing and industrial um, uh, events and so on. And uh, we have uh, a lot of things to talk about today about how, uh, and and, uh, uh, Nick has also been with uh, uh, Kinsey, uh, group, and uh, you're, you're actually, your bio is too long. This is only a 30 minute show. So I don't want to go into all of that. However, uh, why don't you give us your, uh, uh, your URL, uh, email address, whatever right now. So those in the beginning of the show can be able to reach out to. You.
1: Thank you, Lou. First of all, thank you for having us, for having me. Um, I'm from Fernway Group. Our, email, our uh, website is www.fernway, dot com. And you can reach me at my first name, Nick, dot last name, Santhanam, S A N T H A N A M, at fernway.com. So looking forward to hearing from you. Uh, as Lou said, I uh, spent a lot of my time on the industrial side, on the manufacturing side, and delighted to be on the show.
0: Nick, let's get to it. What what do you do and what does your company do, Fernway, do for Um, manufacturing and industrial
1: sector? um, So, Lou, it's a very short description. Fernway is an investment company, meaning we invest dollars, but more important, more than investing dollars, we invest our domain expertise, our capabilities, transformation capabilities, in industrial companies. And we'll use the word industrial and manufacturing interchangeably because they are very synonymous um, to go create value. We are focused uh, exclusively or predominantly on North American companies. And uh, we are predominantly focused on what we call mid cap or sub $5 billion revenue companies.
0: So what, what does that mean? What do you do? How do you help these companies?
1: You know, Lou, it's a very interesting question because you look at most manufacturing companies, most industrial companies in this country do a great job in being the bedrock of the economy. They they create products that matter. They create services that matter. Everything you and I see and use comes out of some industrial sector. Like, for example, I'm sitting on a table. The table is made of equipment, you know, precision equipment, which is able to cut lumber. You and I are looking at each other on a Zoom session. It's come made out of semiconductors. Semiconductors is made by precision manufacturing. So pretty much anything and everything you and I deal with is made by some version of an industrial company and they do a great job. What we do is really help those companies either by, not either, either and both by deploying capital. So putting money into the companies to help the companies grow, to help become better, or We put our people on the ground to really help those companies drive revenue growth so they become bigger they have better margins they have better return on invested capital and as we do this we want them to become what we call a segment of one leader right meaning they do not have a competition they are very good at what they do they have the best products they have the the customers come to them because they're able to uh, uh, address a problem which nobody else has been able to address And by doing that, they create value for everybody who's involved with them.
0: I've been in the uh, industrial metals uh, sector for 60 years. And I started Manufacturing Talk Radio and our other podcasts uh, 12 years ago. And in a very short period of time, after we started in uh, November of 2010, Uh, that we were bringing to the forefront the understanding that manufacturers, they know what they're doing, they know how to make things, they know how to sell things, they know how to ship things, but there's a lot of things that they don't know. They don't know how to help and protect their company or how to effectively um, grow the company, because that's not what they do. You know, it's easy, supposedly, it's easy to get more business and more sales, but how do you grow your company? How do you protect your company? How do you get investment into your company? Such as companies such as yourself that are investment companies that will help these manufacturers who, They know this, 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 and that,
1: but they don't know the other. So how do you help them with that? You know, Lou, you just hit the nail on the head. Industrial companies or manufacturing companies are very good at what they do. They know how to meet a product. They know how to meet a customer pain point. What they're not good at is marketing. Most companies, most individuals talk before they walk. A lot of manufacturing companies, a lot of the companies I work with do an amazing job walking, but never talk about it. And what makes it more interesting, Lou, is a lot of these manufacturing companies are family owned, first generation, second generation, third generation, fourth generation. And what you find is great products, great uh, culture, but they just don't talk about it. And if you don't talk about it, Like the old adage, right? If a tree falls in the forest, do you hear about it? I mean, I don't know. And what you end up happening is a lot of these companies, when it's time to go raise capital or want to raise, you know, get new talent to go to a new market, it's like loo-hoo. And so that I genuinely believe what we do a great job is we understand these companies to really say, okay, what are you good at? All these companies are good at something. What are you good at? Let's focus on that and really use that as what we call the first domino. You get that first domino going, every other domino falls. How do you get the first domino going? And I think that's where most of the value is low. And I don't want to say companies don't do a good job, but I don't think they spend enough time thinking about what is that first domino they need to focus on.
0: One of the big problems, and you and I have talked about this before, one of the big problems, uh, particularly here in the United States, is that um, the U.S. has a diminishing workforce. We have a, a low, lower birth rate. Uh, we have people like Harry Moser of uh, uh, Reshoring Initiative, who's spent his uh, last, I don't know, 20 years bringing jobs back to America. But that's all great, but we don't have the people. We've got uh, skill gaps, we've got uh, retirement, we've got uh, uh, the great uh, resignation going on, and we don't have a good immigration policy to bring in uh, more manufacturing uh, like we did in the 1890s. So how does how what you're doing
1: interact with that? Are you at all involved in that? Lou, the short answer is yes and no. <laughs> like <Pretty> everything. <laughs> um, I think you are hitting on a very, very important topic, which is labor, especially skilled trade labor, is in massive shortage, whether it is welders, whether it's electricians, whether it's plumbers, whether it's manufacturing technicians on the floor, you got a shortage. The flip side is this is a country still a land of opportunities. There are, um, it's an amazing, as you can probably sense from my accent, I'm an immigrant. I came to this country 30 years ago. I didn't know that. <laughs> Thank you, Liv. Um, I've done very well for myself. This country has been unbelievably great to me. And I think this country continues to be great for people who come in, who add value. So I think this is one we have to figure out how do we, it's not that simple to say there is an issue on labor or there's an issue on immigration or the, it is more nuanced. Put it differently, you got people here, you got smart people here. The question is, if you're a smart kid, you're a 21 year old kid, you're a 17 year old kid, do you go to college? Absolutely, go to college if that's what you wanna do. But similarly, if you wanna to go to trade school or convocation school, you should go to that too because it's a well-paying job. You can do great for yourself. You can put foot on the table. You can have a great family. You can have be a part of a great community. And I think we need to get that message out today because we don't do a good job. I don't think anybody does, right? It's like, go to college or you're bust. Well, no, Lo. you can go to college. That's fantastic. You can go to a trade school, which is fantastic. You can pick what you want. They're all different options, but they're not bad options. Similarly, immigration. I don't wanna get into immigration. Is immigration good? Well, I came to this country on immigration, so I'm of course gonna say it's good. Is breaking laws good? No, I don't think you should break laws. You know, Is the current policy of having somebody having to wait for 20 years to wait for, get a green card good? No, it's not good. So it's again, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, no. I think each one is a nuanced thing where we have to, we can't go through a blanket answer and say, this is absolutely the right answer and this is absolutely the wrong answer. I think we collectively as a society, but more important as policymakers and stakeholders, as you and I, folks who have lived in the industry for a long period of time, should really be going for the nuanced answer.
0: You know, as you pointed out, you came from uh, India. Uh, I'm second generation American. My Both my folks came to the United States in the 1890s from Hungary. Uh, And today we have the opportunity again, with uh, particularly in Europe uh, and uh, very pointedly uh, with regards to uh, Ukraine and other countries. Uh, And also Africa is becoming a great uh, employment pool to bring people here. The problem is that in this country, our government, one, does not have an immigration policy. They say they do, but they don't. Point is, how do we bring people here who don't have skills, but they're willing to learn and they're willing to uh, uh, buy into our system? So how do they get training? Well, our government, in my opinion, and I'm not talking politics, I'm not talking Democrat or Republican or uh, Independent, whatever, but we need to have a collective within our government to say we need people, we need uh, intelligent people, skilled people that we can teach to do the things that we need. And that's not happening.
1: Lou, I think, again, you are getting to the heart of the problem, right? Which is, you got great people in this country, younger younger generation. Yes. You have to teach them. But also, once you teach them like everything in life, they're going to say, what am I going to get for it? Am I going to get a job? Is it going to be a high-paying job? I believe that's the yin-yang we need to do. We need to train people. And there are a lot of great institutions, a lot of great nonprofit, a lot of great companies are doing jobs to say, hey, I need to hire a, a electrician, I need to hire a welder, I need to hire an HVAC person. So I think that movement is starting. I don't wanna say it's anywhere close to what it should be, but I feel good at starting. But I think it's one where we also need to make sure like the demand and supply meet, meaning once somebody's trained, he or she's able to get a great job, they are put, they, they have a great career path. And I think we have got the pieces loop, we just have to put the pieces together.
0: That's true. And uh, uh, Tim Grady, my co host, and I, we ran into uh, two companies in uh, Vermont about two years ago, whose names I, I won't use right now. But Vermont does not have a great employment pool. So these two companies, and they're big companies, this one didn't have enough employees, that one didn't have enough employees. So the two of them agreed to partner together and create a training program to get people to come to vermont vermont's a beautiful state uh there's not a lot of people there but it's a great great state what do we have to do to create a program to woo people in from massachusetts or new hampshire or uh, you know, whatever other states are in, in in New England, and get them to come here, and we will train them. So you will train them. I will train them. We will will donate our time and our retirees to train them and so on, and we'll develop our own training program because our government, our state, our federal, are not doing their job. So let's do it ourselves. And they did do it. And the the only proviso was that once both of them trained and they supplied equipment and they supplied the uh, uh, people and trainers and retirees and so on, that they would not steal employees back and forth from one another. And what wound up happening was very successful to this day. And they are now People are now coming to Vermont because they hear there's a great program going on to teach them how to do welding and do this and do that and do the other thing. And it's really working well. Well, that worked there in these two, this very small state. Why aren't we doing it all over the country? Lou,
1: don't know. (laughs) That's a short answer, we don't know. But I'm gonna make it even better. I don't even think we need to go woo people. I mean, look, Vermont is a small state. I get it. But California, where I am, it's a huge state. Texas is a huge state. Missouri, Mississippi, big big states. And I say, why do you have to go steal people? You've got enough people of your own. Train them, right? They're great. They might not have the skill sets you want, but they can definitely get the skill sets you need. So go train them. And most often what you find in manufacturing jobs, Lou, is people don't like to move a long distance. They might move 30 miles radius, but they're not going to move. And so I actually truly believe the moving idea is good. Don't get me wrong, do it. But you're better off if in local communities, you actually go train people. So a while ago when we were doing work in Shreveport, Louisiana, we had this issue and we basically couldn't find enough talent. So what we did is we went to the chamber, the local Chamber of Commerce. We pulled the, the guy in, we pulled the mayor in and said, look, we're gonna, we're gonna spend the money. We're gonna train 150 people. And of that 150 people, 70 will make them an offer. So, hey, you do great at the top half of the school, you're gonna get an offer. I mean, how much better statistic can it be? And it's a well-paying jobs. I mean, these are kids who write, could come in, get trained, I think it was a three month training and they were making $22 an hour, right out of like right out of high school or, you know, this is like starting level. I think if I remember the math right, it was four times the minimum wage or three times the minimum wage. I can't remember the exact number. We did it. And we had unbelievable response. People showed up, they got learned and we got one of the best workforces. And so I'm a firm believer, look no further low, look where you are, The community you live in has got great set of people. You just need to make the effort to train them. And it's this thing, you train them, they love you, they give you back, right? And this is, you build a very loyal workforce. And at the end of the day, that's what makes the difference. Go for that.
0: One of the big problems with what we're talking about now, and and it's, it's beginning to dissipate right now, but part of the problem was parents, Parents wanted their kids to get a degree. I went and got a degree, degree, you got to get a degree, and I'm willing to spend $200,000 for your degree and pay it pay uh, the, the uh, tuition for the next uh, 20 years. but I'm willing, you need to get a degree. Well, the bottom line is I could become a welder and I could be earning sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 a year coming out of a trade school, or I could go to become an underwater welder, if I'm into that, for $150,000 a year. And I don't have to go to college for that. So I think that the parents are an integral part that need to be educated about the opportunities that their kids have today. And that's, I think that's a very significant component.
1: Lou, I say this again and again, every kid is different, every parent is different. I'm not gonna get in the middle of that, right? But you hit the nail on the head. If your kid is smart, and no, take it back. If your kid wants to go to an Harvard or an MIT or a Caltech and gets in, fantastic. If your kid wants to go to a trade school, that is also fantastic. And I think that's the message we need to get along, which is there is no one right answer. And you do that, you're in great shape. And it's a little bit of communicating the right message. Lou. We have to make sure people get that message there's no misperception and this is where in my book, the one I recently published the Titanium Economy, we talk about this. We said a manufacturing job on an average pays $63,000 a year compared to a service job which pays $30,000 a year. So put it differently, a manufacturing job really pays well and in 460 counties in this country lo, more than 20% of jobs are manufacturing jobs. So. It's a great place to have a job, a career, to have something where you can grow. And that's the message we want to get out. And then people can make the decision they want to do.
0: Well, that's true. And uh, so it should be, but they need to know all the facts. They need to understand that if you go to college, you're gonna come out of college earning 30, $40,000 a year, and you're gonna be paying uh, uh, tuition forever. Uh, that going into a trade school, uh, one, you, you can be very creative. You can really be enjoying doing working with your hands. These hands really have not been particularly creative, but uh, we did come up with the idea of manufacturing talk radio so that we can talk about things to educate people about the way things are right now in our economy. And there are things that need to be um, looked upon differently than it has been. And uh, I I think that what you're doing and what I'm doing and what a lot of other people are doing is really important, but it's not enough.
1: Yes. I think you're right, Lou, it's not enough. We need to do more. And the reason we need to do more is because manufacturing and industrial jobs are the bedrock of this country, are the bedrock of this economy. It always has been, but I think in the post-COVID world, in the post-geopolitical risk we have seen, people are now coming to the conclusion, which we always knew, people like you and I knew is, if you don't have a robust industrial economy, you're not going to be a successful country. And when that's the case, when people are realizing it and more and more, reshoring is happening, which as I said, was great to begin with, but it's starting to happen. You need more people, you need more skilled people. And guess what? There are only so many people and we have to get the message out and we have to train them, we have to invest in them. The payoff is huge, but we have to do it and we have to do it now.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, it, there's no easy answer to what you just said. And my feeling is, and I said it at the very beginning of the show, is that immigration is potentially the answer all and the potential savior for our manufacturing economy. And this is something that uh, there has to be more than Lou Weiss is involved in.
1: But, hey, we, you and I have to make the start somewhere, Lou, and we start. we are the first domino on this. We started, and I hope you know other dominoes follow.
0: well, we we hope so. So let me ask you, Nick, and and then some parting words. Give us your bottom line on as to what you're doing and what we've been talking about and uh, where to from here.
1: So, Lou, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, I used to work for a company called McKinsey. I left McKinsey to start Furnway because I truly believe in this mission, which is manufacturing and industrial companies have a bright future. I just wrote a book along with my former colleagues, Ashutosh Padi and Dara Batra on this sector, uh, the sector. The titanium us, economy.
0: Give us the name of the book.
1: The Titanium
0: Economy. The Titanium Economy. And who's the publisher? Uh,
1: public Affairs.
0: Public Affairs.
1: Okay. Um, And I think in that book, we talk about it, as I said, we don't have all the answers, but we want to say, we want to start with a clear understanding of the baseline, which is, this is not a sector which is lost or stolen or given away. It's not a sector of the past, it's a sector of the future. And we want everybody to sort of get that message clear. And with the two biggest suppliers, suppliers of capital and suppliers of talent, getting exciting about it, excited about it and make an investment for the future because I know it's going to pay off big.
0: Nick, thank you very much for your input. Appreciate your time. And I, I keep, I keep an open invite as things are progressing in your world that if you have something new and exciting and maybe the solution Come back to us. Let's talk about it because I, I'm I'm passionate about manufacturing and industrial, and anything that's new and coming up. I want to I want to be able to get out there and tell the manufacturers. You you may not know this, but Nick might.
1: Thank you, thank you, uh, Lou. Thanks for the offer. I would definitely would love to come back. So thank you. Okay.
0: All right, everybody, this is uh, Lou Weiss, uh, Manufacturing Talk Radio, and uh, I invite you to our uh, weekly shows as well as our other podcasts on Jacket Media Co., which we have a total of five or six other uh, manufacturing slices of podcasts that talk about everything manufacturing globally. So join us, Manufacturing Talk Radio, Jacket Media Co., and Nick, again, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. And everyone have a great weekend.
1: Thank you, Lou. Bye-bye now. Bye.